The following podcast is a mass media production. Hi, I'm Josh Galindo. And I'm Crystal Galindo. Welcome to the Going Galindo Rugrats and Renovations podcast. A lifestyle podcast where we will offer our experience and expertise in building real, lasting wealth through renovating and flipping homes. And the chaos that comes with balancing a family of six, leaving nothing unsaid. Follow our wild ride we call life and apply our lessons to your own journey. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, honey? I'm great. How are you? I am well. How was your morning this morning? My morning was good. That's it? I All mean, right. Let's move on. Well, I mean, if I'm being honest, no. I couldn't take a shower with Jagger crawling at the shower door. Kinsley cried about four times, and I told her just to take five minutes to herself. <laughs> And we had a little talk that every morning she's going to wake up and say, good morning, today is a good day. Because, is that like Kennedy was running around saying Yes, that? because I'm done with Kinsley crying every oh, single morning. So brutal. <laughs> Jagger, I felt like he cried from the second he got up. He did. Yeah. yeah. That was rough, too. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> why are they so loud? I know. That's why I said I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. I'll see <laughs> Bye. And I said, you can come back. Just don't bring them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So that was a that was a nice uh, parenting uh, move to set their minds right first thing in the morning. I'm hoping that it, it works because if it does, it'll make my day good. Did Kinsley run around saying it? No. I just heard Kennedy saying yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kinsley was like, "No, I was supposed to say it." <laughs> and then she Not was even Kennedy. more pissed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Hey guys, I want to take a second to shout out one of our sponsors, The House of Vegas. I've used quite a few home staging companies, and they are by far the easiest ones to work with. There's no drama, they won't nickel and dime you, and in my experience, they act quickly with little notice. Staging your listings makes a huge difference. Thomas at The House of Vegas can help you out. Call him at 310-503-3611. Well, um, let's see. So today, we've got... uh I'm going to our first guest. Our first guest. I'm pretty excited. I am too, and I think uh, something that we can relate with right away. A little mm-hmm. sneak tip on him is that he has four children as well, so he's a part Ooh. of that really cool club of having four kids. I'm excited. But his are all girls. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, without uh, what is the term? Further ado. Yeah, without further ado. I would like to introduce Ronnie Withiger. Did I say that right? With Hager. With Hager. Ronnie with Hager. Ronnie, will you take a moment and... Uh, Give a little background. Yeah, a little background. Tell them about your company, where you're at, um, what you do, how long you've been doing it. Cool. And whatever you feel like talking about. This is a super <laughs> easy, candid um, experience. So yeah. fire away. Well, before I get into some of that, I can definitely relate to some of the conversation you guys had. Well, this morning? Here. Yeah. Is that how your morning went, too? Our mornings are very similar to that. You got four Kinsley. Yeah. Yeah, I got four girls, eight, six, four, and one. Okay, so, I was going to ask the ages. So, yeah. yeah, right along the same as us. Yep, those conversations are really regular in our household. <laughs> it's good to be with you guys. I'm a, I'm a CPA. I've been in Vegas most of my life. Um, about 30 years, and I ended up going to Western High School here mm-hmm. in the Valley and went to UNLV for school, took a little bit of time out, went on a church mission to Virginia, 
And uh, but I've been in Vegas. This is where my home is and where we're building our family. Is that it? Did you meet your wife here or? Yeah, yeah? my wife's from California and okay. she came here for, for school at UNLV mm-hmm. and we met through UNLV. So, oh, cool. Yeah, cool. So, been married 12 years and uh, and so a couple years ago I, I kind of ended up jumping out on my own. Earlier I'd worked for a big firm, small firm, a law firm, and then decided to jump out and kind of do my own thing. So for about two and a half years now, I've been building my own practice and Good got an office. Good for you. Good for you. That's very awesome. And my office is in Summerlin off of Fort Apache in Sahara, just a small office. Uh, I got about seven people that work with me, bookkeepers and, and tax preparers, mm-hmm. and uh, just been building it up, and it's been just a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. I have to ask, how do you manage that with the four girls at home? By having a terrific wife. Oh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> good, good answer. answer. Good yeah. answer. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's the key. She stays home and takes care of business. and Allows you to work. Allows me to get the work done. And then, you know, more flexible times like right now, for example, where we don't have a lot of deadlines and I can be home a little bit more and pitching in and, and helping out and that sort of thing. So she's got a couple times a year where it gets a little bit rough for her with <laughs> these tax seasons and stuff like that. But when you're hammering imagine. down at the office, is that what you mean? Yeah. 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 Probably sleeping there. <laughs> Trying not to sleep there, but there's been some days like that for sure. For sure. So... Uh, my background, though, uh, my practice is is really based in real estate and small business owners. And so I've just found that that's kind of a niche that I love to work mm-hmm. in. I mean, I started out at the big firm where I worked with casinos and, and large real estate developers and, and just really big clients that had their own accounting departments and things like that. We were just kind of an end user that prepared tax returns and didn't really do a lot of consulting. But after I jumped out, went to a small firm, I really just kind of found that I liked working with small business owners and working with those day-to-day problems and just being a, a resource to people. So like more fulfillment? More fulfillment, more just the things that you guys deal with day-to-day in your business is just stuff that I've been able to become an expert in and really just support people and help people. And small business owners need it because they can't really afford to necessarily go out and have the accounting department and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So they need somebody that that is a resource for them that way. So, And I, I really feel like that's just a whole nother world that to even know everything about it, you need an expert to help. Cause I do, you know, the day-to-day bookkeeping, but when it comes to like taxes and what's best for the company, I have no clue about that. So I'm always depending on, you know, our CPA to guide me. So. Yeah. Let me set the tone for a moment. Yeah. If so with our company, Glenda group real estate, mm-hmm. um, Actually, that statement right there just made me think, this is probably more about Crystal than it's going to be about me. (laughs) I might sit here and observe more than than contribute. Um, Crystal does everything money-related at the company. Um, We've got 35 agents, and then if you, and I think we close roughly 250 transactions for just those agents a year. Mm -hmm. She cuts every check, analyzes every commission split, minuses every transaction fee, um, disperses those funds, brings them in, sends them back out. And then if you take all of our flips, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a, a decent year is 60 to 70. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were going heavy with an investor, we were at 100, 120. Mm-hmm. And she would manage all of that billing, all of those checks, 
all, yeah. of, all of those HOAs, all those. I mean, it's just crazy how much of that she's going through. Um, and then all of our rental properties. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have 26. We're buying our 27th here shortly. Um, and she manages all of that, making sure all the rents come in and uh, uh, accounting for all of them. And then any repairs and it's just crazy. It, <laughs> yeah, it's I, a I don't lot. even know all that she does. But I just I know she won't toot her own horn, so I'd like to do it for her. <laughs> it's good. But yeah, this young lady right here does all that. <laughs> yeah, so. you're a stud. That's good. <clears throat> well, thank That's you. Really awesome. So I'm too consumed with all of that to learn all the tech stuff. So anytime it comes up, I'm like, Josh, I have no idea and I don't even have the time to try to like learn it and understand it. So I heavily depend on you know, the professionals to handle that part of it. And that's kind of my thing. Whenever she asks me a question, and, and maybe you can shine some light on your perspective of the relationship, she'll be like, hey, Josh, uh, what do we do here? Or That's just some tax-related question. I, like, can I this be a write-off? Yeah. Can I do it this way? Or who should pay it? And he's like... I, I, my position's always like, that's what we pay these people to do. Sure. Is it? Is it? Is, is that not... The case? Are we paying just for a tax return to be processed? Or I know for, I would assume for you, like wh- why those guys are experts at what they do. Yeah. Let's pay them in exchange for that expertise, and let's stay in our lane, which is doing real estate and making you know deals here and there, and you know what we do. Yeah. So do you want to touch on that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it really depends on who you work with. To be honest, yeah. I mean, I know that there are some preparers out there that. That's what they want to do. They just want to prepare returns and get it done. And, you know, as soon as tax season's over, then they're off to Hawaii or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And, and their office is closed. And so, you know, one of the things that I've always just built my practice on is the, how important a relationship is with somebody. You know, when you have I those agree. when you have those questions, I don't necessarily want you to ask Josh. No, I want you to call. <laughs> I want you to call or text me. See, and, that's 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 what I would like. Yeah. And and there's so much power in that. It I think makes it's your very life important. Yes. So much easier. Yeah. If you have somebody who believes in that, though, as their core values, your core value has to be, I want to be an extension of of the business, and and I want to be available for that person, mm-hmm. and, and so that's one of the problems I had actually. One of my old firms is I had 4,000 clients, and it was insane because the only way that I could really reach everybody was to do a webinar and just get it out to everybody. And and so one of the things when I decided to jump out on my own was I would love to have 400 clients that Mm -hmm. I could really give great service to. And so you appreciate the relationships relationship aspect of it. Totally. You have to have it. You have to have it if you really want to take advantage of everything. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to take advantage of all the benefits or you want to make mistakes, then, you know, you can work with somebody that that's kind of what I'll call is kind of a part-timer, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have a client that felt comfortable enough to text me on Christmas last year. <laughs> you know, I think that was going a little too far. <laughs> I, like, that, I, I won't do that. I won't do that. But, but that comfort was there. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and sure. That's, that's what you want. You want to have that relationship and even to build upon that, I mean, we've talked about our families and things like that already. I'll, I know things about all my clients' families. And, and that's really important because if we really care about each other, then we're going to create results yeah, for each I, other. Yeah, I agree. We had talked about that before, too. If you're, When you're picking a CPA and someone that helps you with their taxes, they, you, they really have to know about you and know about 
your life and all the intimate details in order to give you the best service. Agreed, 100%. Something that I find is interesting about the CPA relationship, it's almost like a really great investment. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Obviously, it's a very great investment. <laughs> but when I mean that, the, the analogy that I'm trying to build is it's a really great investment. So your buddy's like, hey, go buy this stock. And then it goes up. Well, now your buddy's going to go tell his mom. Mm-hmm. And then it, she's also going to buy the stock. And then it goes up. And then she's going to tell her friend. And then because our last CPA, mm-hmm. um, for the time that we had her, it's a big statement that I yeah. say is not every, the people that get you to where you are are not necessarily the same people that are going to get you to where you want to go. So I think something that happened in our life was it was time to move on to um, – uh, a, a different CPA to accommodate our, our, the changes that we... Our growth. Our growth, to accommodate mm-hmm. our growth. But while we had her, we probably referred eight to ten people to her. And so for you guys, I'm sure in your business model, it's such a... If you can really save someone a great, a, a tremendous amount of money, add a ton of value through answering questions, I mean, you got to spread like wildfire totally. with, with people referring you out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get... I actually hardly spend any money on advertising. Sure, I bet. I, bet I don't have to enough. spend any money on yeah. advertising. You just do a good job for people, and they will tell their friends. Yeah. There's a, it's 100% true. And, and just to speak on you know, some of the value add, too, there's a lot of my clients where I'll give them some ideas that saves whatever my fees are. Oh, yeah. So then yeah. you, you feel like, at least this is a goal, yeah. you feel like you're not really a cost to somebody. That yeah. You're actually an investment, like you kind of mentioned. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That's actually how it's we It's a win-win it. for everybody. Yeah. 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 So what I want to do is I, is I know that if I was a listener, I want to make sure that I get into like the nuts and bolts of, I guess, all everybody cares about how do we save as much money on taxes as possible? How are we making the right decisions? Um, with our finances. And I think a lot of the people listening are either either building their rental portfolio, so they're either in the buy and hold uh, position, Great. or they are wholesalers where they're probably generating large chunks of money and spending a tremendous amount of money on advertising. Mm-hmm. So there's a write-off opportunity there. Um, and then or and or flippers that are buying distressed properties, fixing them up, and then reselling them and generating a profit. Um, is there any other type of, I mean, I'm sure there's many other types of listeners out there, but I think yeah. a lot of the people that would be listening, at least for me, maybe I'm being selfish and asking this question, but how do we save the most amount of money? Is there any ideas that you thought up or topics of discussion that we want to jump into knowing that that's maybe who's listening to this? Sure. No, that's really good. So one of the great things about real estate And you can use me as an example for anything. Okay. You can add, we could use my scenario for everything sure. if, if you need a real-life scenario. Yeah, so that's one of the things that, that we did start off with in our relationship is I had you guys send me your tax returns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And once you guys send me your tax returns, it gives me a really good idea of what you're doing and what you're not doing. And then I get an opportunity to create uh, a plan for you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, going through your taxes, and this is for anybody that's listening. Because tax um, planning is really important. That's like, what, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so important. Are you so, nervous to hear what he's about yeah, to say? a little bit. I mean, it was, yeah. So I go through, I do a review. Mm-hmm. I want to do a two-year review for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and that really just lets me learn about your business and lets me kind of look for the opportunities that that you would have available for you. So, 
I always kind of start with that when I start building my relationship with people is let me see your tax returns, you know, show me the information and let me see how you guys are doing things now. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that really matter. And, you know, you had alluded to tax planning. Tax planning is so important and yeah. we do it right now. What I'm doing over the next two months for, for people is, is where we will save all the money. It's not going to be next April because the year's going to be over. Mm-hmm. So for the next six weeks, and, and I've already started it, I started out by doing 20 tax ideas that real estate investors and, and other people with small businesses can do before year end to save money. And I sent that out to all my clients. And then anybody that I'll do tax planning with, I'll say, I want you to watch my webinar first and see which ideas really kind of speak to you. So that's kind of the starting point. But getting on the phone, having a call, going through, you know, how this year went, especially this year with the COVID year Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. business changed Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. It's really important that we're having that phone call. And within that phone call, projecting out what somebody's tax situation is going to be. So I'll have people update their bookkeeping or we'll update their bookkeeping if we do their books. And we'll have a good idea of what their numbers are. Once we kind of know what their numbers are, then we sit down and we say, okay, what do we want to kind of do? Mm-hmm. You know, if we need to reduce your tax liability because you're in a high tax bracket, then we're going to do that. If you're in a low tax bracket and maybe you have traditional IRA money out there that maybe we want to convert over to a Roth, maybe we'll do something like that. So there's different levels of, of, of things that we can do. And really everybody's situation is a lot different. So uh, that's kind of the starting point and just really kind of emphasizing having those conversations right now rather than later is a great, great starting point. Do you touch every tax return for your clients? Yes. Because I think that's a huge win for them because not every CPA does that. No. It's usually filtered through their employees. True. So I have have tax preparers who will help Mm -hmm. me with preparation, but I've always believed in kind of a top-down approach where I manage all the relationships and the conversations and the planning, the high-level things. I have people who will do some of the data entry stuff, Mm -hmm. but before it would ever go to the client, it always comes to me. So I will always put my review and my stamp off on everything that I send out. And to some accounting practices, that that kind of is a little bit of a weakness because then how do you really scale your business even up even more? So. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a side of me that's like, hey, at some point I'm going to have to address that. Yeah. Uh, but also at the same time right now, I just want it, it. I want my name to be solid and I don't want. You're building your reputation. I want my yeah. reputation to be really good. And, and I know that it all needs to go through me. So mm-hmm. you'll always get two sets of eyes and I'll always be the final review. Nice. So I think that's, that's a great question. very valuable. Yeah, it's a great question and good answer. Did, did you look at our tax return specifically? I did look at yours. Okay, do, can we have saved money? There's probably some ways you could save some money. Yeah, Fuck. there's definitely some ways you could save some money. <laughs> I do have some ideas for you. Let's we, tap into it. Let's yeah. be transparent. Okay. Well, I mean, within reason. Sure. <laughs> sure. I think one of the things that stood out to me most is that you're flipping businesses on Schedule C. So instead of what? Instead of having a separate S-corp. That, that you run that stuff through. So uh, one of the things that happens when your income's on Schedule C is that it's all subject to self-employment tax. If you have it separated out on an S-corp for your flipping and rehab, you can limit your self-employment tax by paying yourself a salary. 
And so, what percent is the self-employment tax? 15.2%. So 15.2% is what you're telling us that we... On the flipping income. On the flipping income. On the flipping income, you could have limited it. So, you know, if you ended up making... I'll just throw a number out. Yeah. If you made 100000 on flipping, instead of paying self-employment tax on 100000 you could have paid yourself a salary of $40,000 for managing flips and only paid the 15% on the 40K instead of 100K. Mm. So there's a little bit of flexibility there that mm-hmm. we could kind of look at. So I'm curious. Let's play house for a second. Let's okay. say it's a half million dollars. Can you still charge only 40 grand? So, or does it have to scale with the amount of income? So you need to pay yourself something reasonable. It has to that's be reasonable. That's all the IRS says is okay. something reasonable. And I was like, wow, that's a hell of a loophole if that was the, well, yeah. not loophole, but a tax code. Yeah, you don't What's want... the right word? Tax code? <laughs> not yeah, loophole. don't say loophole. Loophole. Babe. Yeah, I don't know. You can use loophole. <laughs> okay. Use loophole. But that was one thing that, that I noticed that could and be I a little bit we better. Were, that was brought to our attention as well. And I think the reason that it, we, if we had proper tax planning the yeah. year before with during our transition, yeah. I think that's where True. we were neglected is the transition. Yeah. But... Um, we had worked very heavily with an investor in 2018, mm-hmm. 17, 16, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So we never had any reason to make that entity an S-corp because right. it really didn't generate a tremendous amount of It was just for our profit. rentals. It yeah. wasn't for flipping properties. Is there any value in the rental part in that? Well, does the S-corp still benefit the... Well, there's no... But so educate no. me there. Yeah. So you wouldn't want to put the... You, know, you don't really ever want to own buy and hold properties in an S-Corp. There's okay. a lot of reasons for that. but Can you name um, a few? Maybe so, one or two? Yeah. So like one of the rough things is just the transferability of it when it's in an S-Corp. If you wanted to take it out of an S-Corp for whatever reason, uh, you have to sell it off. Uh, it's not just easily transferable. So whenever we do buy and hold stuff, the way to do that is through it. It's still an LLC, but mm-hmm. you want it taxed as a partnership because partnerships are flexible. Okay. So, you know, that's one side of it. And that's one thing about my experience that actually is a little unique is that for four years I worked as a, I worked under lawyers. So I got a good opportunity to just, you know, kind of learn about entity so structure. more of an and, education on that than a normal. Yeah. So the law CPA. component. Yeah. The law component. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, as far as what people who have buy and holds typically will do though, what you've done and just put them on Schedule E is not necessarily a problem. Uh, some some investors, though, they like to have it in a separate holding company so that their personal tax returns aren't cluttered or anything like that. So, uh, But there's nothing really wrong with how you guys have it set up on your tax return right now. But uh, within that, if I was structuring, you, you either stick with what you have or you would put it in a partnership just to kind of combine them all into a, a holding company. What I will say just uh, on the flipping piece, though, is you don't necessarily want to be on Schedule C just because it increases your audit risk, too. And in okay. a flipping company, you don't want to get audited, right? No. I mean, nobody wants to get audited. No, no, no. But um, you're 10 times more likely to be audited when you're on Schedule C. So anybody that I have who has something substantive that they're putting on Schedule C, I always get them out of that for sure. So so would you be, to, to, to understand your firm, because I think Chris and I have um, highly considered, considering we hadn't built a real relationship with our new guy, and then we met you, yeah. moving our... Um, 
I mean, I feel our like accounts over to you. What is the term? Or whatever yeah, our taxes. Our portfolio. Are, yeah. Or, so would you, are you able to build these entities and create these entities? And are you, we just come to you, say, do this, 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 and this. We write a check and go back to work? Yeah. So if you want, what I do is pretty much everything except the legal documents. So I could move, I, I'm not going to set you up with like a partnership agreement or an operating agreement. We'd get lawyers that would do something like that. But as far as setting up with the secretary of state, business license, setting up, getting an EIN, all that kind of stuff. I can do that kind of stuff. Great. Yeah. Great. That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. I know. I feel like I would need to make an appointment right now. <laughs> Tax planning. I know. We need to get in right now. <laughs> Let's do it. This is the time. This is definitely the time to do it. All right. It's time to talk about our podcast sponsor, Southwestern Custom Construction. I've been in real estate for a while now, and I've dealt with a lot of shitty contractors. You know you found a good contractor when they show up on time, get your bid done quickly, and do a great job without the constant nagging and hassle. I've been working with Nick Marietta for a while now, and he comes highly recommended. If you need a contractor, get in touch with Nick at Southwestern Custom Construction. His phone number is 480-235-8148. So we talked about flipping. We talked about buy and hold. Let me ask you this. So the, the something I know that I guess the formula of investing isn't necessarily the one that I'm using, which is owning the properties without any debt. Um, but I have personal reasons why I do that because I've got young kids and I want to sure. make sure that I don't ever over leverage myself. Good. and. When the kids are all grown up, I'm going to go ape shit and borrow everything <laughs> I can. But until then, I'm going to play it modestly. Yeah. But um, so we sat down with my last CPA, and he said, um, he's like, wow, this is a really interesting portfolio because there's so many that, aren't, 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 that have no debt on them. Correct. And I don't think I could get the question answered that I had. And I'm like, well, then would it benefit me to go and pull? You know, to, let's just play hypothetical, say that I could even get this many loans. Yeah. 50% on everything. In my mind, and I want you to correct me, wouldn't that, okay, so it allows me to go and buy, let's say, let's say I own 20 properties, I pull on 10, I go buy 10 more, and I own a total of 30 properties, 20 of them are leveraged. Yeah. Um, all it does is, is it, it just reduces. Your tax my tax liability, but I have new income that it does it really is it really why do I go borrow more money? To me it doesn't make any sense. It would only be to just acquire more property. It's the exact that's okay. the only that, thing it boils down I to. I knew it. That was that, that's what I thought. But I'm like, why is this guy telling me that? Because to me, if I'm gonna own one property and it pays me twelve hundred dollars a month, yep. I'm okay with that headache for I'll come to your house and, and, and fix your toilet for twelve hundred dollars a month. Yeah. If I borrow 80% loan to value, and my payment's $1,000, my rent's $1,200, I don't want to come to your house and yeah. fix your toilet to make $200 a month. And so to me, it doesn't, right. that's why but, I'm not really excited about sure. having tons of headaches. I'd rather have a, a consolidated amount of headaches and generate the same money. So it's literally just to be able to buy more property. That would be it. Because really what you're doing, I mean, when you go get a loan, now you're just paying interest. Mm-hmm. So you're spending money to get more properties. Now, I can see a scenario where somebody might say, but yeah, this will build your net worth, though. 
I mean, sure, there's an argument. If you have have, more properties, if if they go up, yeah, exactly. I get it. If you have 30 properties instead of 20, and somebody else is paying off the mortgages, I mean, long term, you're basically trading some net worth for uh, safety, right? And and I can, I kind of like that though. I I think I kind of vibe with you guys on that a little bit, just because I'm, I'm, I don't like debt either. And, and I think it, when I looked at your guys' return, I thought you guys were really smart to have properties that weren't leveraged. And you, you guys know the business and all that sort of... You could take your 25, 30 rental properties and bring it to 50 if you wanted to go get a lot of debt. But, mm-hmm. you know, you want to keep that security and stay out of debt. And you just don't know what's going to happen with the economy. You so never know. why risk yourself? Right. Why risk it? I mean, if you're comfortable and you're making what you need or want to make then to me, staying out of debt and just building that net worth is really, really smart because then you don't put yourself at risk. Yeah, I do have other clients, though, that are really just like what you'll be 20 years from now. <laughs> and, and they're like, I'm borrow everything I can. And if it all goes to heck, then, you know, I'll, I'll live with that. But uh, for now, I, I see what you're what your situation is. I'm the same way. Yeah. And I have no judgment on the other model. I think those guys deserve a lot of credit because sure. they're, they're able to, for me, I produce best when no, my life safe. is safe and simple. Good. I remember back like, you know, 2003, four, five, six, seven, eight, when I had a ton of debt Yeah, and it to just to make these payments was, it was debilitating. It was it was paralyzing every day. Like because I was always thinking about them, always thinking mm-hmm, about them. Mm-hmm. So that's why I give those guys credit. If you can operate and continue to produce income and generate income and be productive and so forth and have all this other shit moving behind the scenes, yeah. those guys are rock stars. It's not me. For you, I, I feel a, like it handicaps you. You yeah. kind of. The best thing that's ever happened was uh, when I looked at Crystal. I said, "I'm not making another payment on this house in 2011 ish, 2010, 11." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then from that day forward, I never paid another bill. Good. Literally, Crystal pays every bill. Yeah. So it keeps my brain free. Yeah. I, I don't ever think about, you know, paying, like, bills. You never feel it. I never so, feel it. So I'm, I can always produce. It's yeah. important to know what your DNA is in business, yeah. too. There you go. I mean, it's really important to know that. And there's some people that I have to help understand that. But if you've already got that nailed down, that's great. That's really great. Okay. I got you. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so you got any other okay. questions for him? There, there, there's got to be, uh, there, this guy's got a wealth of knowledge in there. We just have to find a topic to, to I got crack some other open. stuff. Fire away. Go you for leave it. in for a moment. <laughs> One thing that's, that's great about real estate tax, the thing that I love about real estate tax is that it's so flexible. I mean, when you say real estate tax, what do you mean? Real estate tax, people who are in the real estate business, okay. buy and holds, flippers. Uh, investors, people who, uh, and I've worked with people who do big multifamily projects mm-hmm. and things like that. The real estate tax code is so flexible and, <laughs> and it's so beneficial <laughs> for people who want to get into it. And so, um, you know, you, you hear stuff about how real estate investors don't pay any tax and how is that possible? And, and there's some interesting things that, that people really uh, should be educating themselves on and, and, and really kind of understanding how they work. And so, you know, something like buy, for buy and hold, if you've got depreciation, you have to take depreciation on your, your rental properties. Mm-hmm. You have a good opportunity with depreciation because even within those rules, there's flexibility. Mm-hmm. This year I helped 
four clients save at least 100000 in tax because of something called a cost segregation. Uh, that they bought commercial properties, and which are normally depreciable over 39 years, and we went through and sent a team of engineers through, stripped down everything that's in that building, and broke it down between five-year assets, seven-year asset, 15-year assets, and then the 39-year asset. We're able to strip off a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of depreciable expenses that you could take right now. Crazy. And, and so I have several clients that we saved a couple hundred thousand on. Wow. I have one that we're working on right now who just spent $4 million on his business in uh, uh, Seattle. And he's going to get a huge, he won't pay any tax next year. No tax next year because of the deductions that we're going to be able to generate from it. So you got depreciation expense that really, really helps people out. It, so let me, let, me, let me pick that for a little. So it almost, it, with some, some education and some guidance from you, if I went and found a million-dollar building, let's call it a $2 million building, yeah. um, I put down, let's say I borrow 80%, which I'm sure I couldn't get 80%, but let's just do that for easy math. $2 million, be 400000 down. Mm-hmm. So I'd own a million six. Mm-hmm. Um, you go in, you do the cost segregation. Is that the term? Yep. And assuming I make a million dollars that year, because yep. I have to have income still, right, to, to, to offset that depreciation. You'd want to have income if you were going to do it. Stop me. Okay. Yeah. You'd want to have income. Yeah. Okay. You wouldn't do it if you, if you, you didn't have income. You couldn't just pull that out of the system. You yeah. got to have income to offset the, t- the, the You'd want to have income to do it. Yeah. Okay. And then you just get, so now you're into that building for 300000 Well, what would in ha- a sense. you're not going to get all of it. Okay. What would happen with the 1.6 is some of it would be allocated to land. Some of it would be allocated to building. And mm. then some of it mm. would be the other stuff. So of the 1.6, let's say 400,000 of it was land, and then let's just say 800,000 of it was building, and then 400,000 of it was improvement type stuff that they were able to put five, year, five seven, or 15-year uh, treatment on. You would get like a $400,000 deduction, and that would be a straight deduction. And the deduction equates into... Saving the hundred grand. Yeah. So if you're in a thirty percent tax bracket, then on that four hundred thousand, you save one hundred twenty thousand in tax. My goodness. Yeah. So is that like (laughs) all I can relate this to? Is like hearing all that stuff about Trump's tax return. Not that I think that it matters, you know. But if he's in real estate, that's probably. My thought with the Trump (laughs) tax return is that if he was doing something illegal. He would be in jail. Oh, he would be caught. It's all exposed, he's too, right? He's a celebrity. You don't think yeah. the IRS wants to make an example of someone, of one big person rather than 50 little guys? They'd yeah. love to put Trump They'd away. They'd love to. They'd love he, to. They can't is no. the problem. No. Because he's doing he did stuff like that. Because he's doing the right stuff. So nobody's really seen his returns. Yeah, not and so that it's they really should hard be able to, to say, see it. But, right. <laughs> but as a CPA, I kind of have an understanding. I would think if he was going to reduce his tax liability, these would be the ways that he would do it. And a cost segregation can easily be one of those things. Yeah. Uh, and with the amount of buildings and how big those buildings are, yeah. it's, it's got to be huge. But yeah. what mo- more than likely ended up happening with Trump is he made a ton of money off The Apprentice in the early 2000s to the mid-2000s. In 2009, just like everybody else, he got thrashed, mm-hmm. just like everybody else. And in the stimulus 
package that Obama ended up passing, he allowed you to take back losses that you had in 2009, 10, 11, and 12 and carry those back five years instead of two years. Will you, I understand that. Will you explain that a little slower and in better detail and maybe use a number for an analogy? Yeah, so let's say say President Trump ended up making $300 million in 2006, five and six from, from The Apprentice. And then let's say in 2009, the economy and 10, the economy was horrible, and he lost, let's just say, $100 million, just for round numbers. So what you're allowed to do is you are allowed to take your $100 million loss, bring it back to 2005, and offset your $100 million in income. $300 million. Or $300 million in mm-hmm. income. You can offset that, and then the government would refund you the taxes that you had paid back in 2005. Very well said. Okay. okay thank you. Got it. So, that makes sense. And then, again, you could do the same thing in 10. If you lost money in 10, then you could carry it back. Now, if he carried back everything and still had some losses left over, let's say in 9, 10, 11, and 12, he lost more than he made mm-hmm. in 5 and 6, he could carry those losses forward into future years, 20 years you're allowed to go. <laughs> So you can go twenty years. You can and go twenty years with losses. Okay. Forward. Forward. Okay. That's crazy. And actually, the Tax Cuts and Job Act that they just passed lets you carry them forward indefinitely now. So you could take you carry them forward till you actually lose them, or until you use until them. Until use them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's what most likely ended up happening. It's utilizing his net operating losses from, you know, the recession or whatever. And the real estate investors get hit the worst on these types of things. We yeah. know this. Yeah. Yeah. We know this. So, um, that was really good. That's one thing. Yeah. That's one yeah. thing that ended up happening. With let me, returns let's, sure. let's shrink this down to Josh Galindo and, and Crystal Galindo and okay. anybody listening. Yeah. Um, so if I, Let's just use $100,000 for easy math. $100,000. If I had $120,000 in, in losses, then I have a $20,000 carry. Carry. Yeah, net, net operating loss. Okay, and what's that called? A carry you over, carry behind, carry back. Carry back. Carry back okay, yeah. and then I would go back to last year mm-hmm. and use that 20000 to reduce the tax liability, liability from that year. Yep. And any tax I paid on that twenty grand, I would get refunded. Correct. But I have to have a hundred per. I have to have. I have to have, have lost to more than I. Not just losses. I have to be a. Oh, you just said it. Net. Net. You have to have a net loss. So net yeah. loss. All income considered. Does that ever? Uh, there's obviously ways to work that. Mm-hmm. Would it ever be beneficial? I mean, I mean, yeah, it could be if you were in like a thirty-five percent tax bracket last year, and you have a chance to carry some of it back, then it's worth it. Sometimes people are like, you know what? I'll just carry them forward to the future, though, and not yeah. worry about Because you can always use back. them when you choose to. Is that why you would carry Correct. them forward? So, like, yeah. So, like, if you said, you know, if you're like, hey, we generated a loss this year. COVID year wasn't a good year, but next year we're going to be right back on track. Then it's like, we'll just carry them forward. But if you were, you know, 37 or 35 percent tax in 2018 or 19. But then you were going to be in like a twenty-four percent bracket in twenty twenty-one. Then you'd want to carry them back carry instead back of carrying them because you're in a forward. different tax bracket. Okay. So I'm sense. sitting here trying to think what I've learned on my tax journey, and I remember there was a moment when I learned about the blended tax rate. Mm-hmm. 
Because everybody says if you make a million dollars, 40% of it gets taxed. Yeah. So you write a check for $400,000. But it doesn't really work that way. No, it's a and progressive system. Will, will you just... Uh, I, that's what I'm saying. There's, there's, there's going to be people listening that have no clue about taxes. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then there's people that have an understanding. And those people may be able to understand and vibe with the, 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 the level we're discussing. But I think we should not neglect the ones that are... Like, let's discuss the blended yeah, tax rate. I do get that question a lot, actually. They'll say, hey, how do I manage my income so I stay in the 32% bracket instead of jumping up to the 35 mm-hmm. And I think that is a really common misconception that says, like, if you have $200,001, all of a sudden all of your income is going to be taxed at 32%. It doesn't work like that. All of us have a tax bracket that we fall in, but then we also have a different effective tax rate that we actually pay. And that's because when you're, let's say you're married filing joint, zero to 20,000, I'm just going to use random numbers, but zero to 20,000 gets taxed at 10%, then $20,001 up to $80,000 gets taxed at 20%. And then 80 to 160 is, you know, goes up to the next bracket. So no matter how much you make, those brackets still remain. So if you're a million dollars and you're in the 37% tax bracket, then that doesn't mean you're going to owe 370. You're probably going to owe like 290 or something like that. Okay. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. (laughs) I remember learning that and being like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It makes sense. What are some other amateur questions? I hate to call them amateur, but maybe beginner or just dipping their foot in it. I Um, feel like he covered a lot of that with just like the LLC and the S-Corp. That's something I didn't know that I feel like not anybody would know. Well, I think one thing that's worth mentioning that's really valuable is just how involved you are in the day-to-day numbers. I get people who just go do their thing and then try to figure (laughs) it out later, (laughs) and they... They miss so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They'll miss so much stuff. And and you know they're missing the stuff because when you've done 100 of these returns, oh, yeah. you're yeah. like, yeah. I know what their income really should be kind of finishing out at. And I can tell that they missed repairs and they didn't keep track of their mileage and different things like they you know, didn't include their hazard insurance. So I could go through Mm-hmm, the rental mm-hmm. and I can send an email out to them and say, Hey, I think you're missing one, two, and three. You know, do you have that? So, oh, I didn't keep track of it. I can... And it cost them money. Yeah. I so, try to put everything on a card so I can keep track. And that's of it. really good. I go through each transaction every month. And yeah. that's really good to do that <laughs> is just to be in it at the time. And it is right. super valuable because it's so easy to miss stuff. So, so that's worth mentioning. It's also worth mentioning some of the, uh, I think the corners that we can cut as accountants sometimes that, uh, you know, are not a good thing for our clients because we're really busy sometimes. Mm-hmm. There are just those things that kind of slip through the cracks. And like, one of them is like hazard insurance with rentals. Not all of the loan statements or even in your case where you don't have any debt, they don't always have the hazard insurance on there and people just forget them because they're paid through escrow and they forget all about it. And so let me let me let me stop you there and, yeah. and reframe that. Yeah. For the people that have mortgages on their properties, yeah. the mortgage company will impound your taxes and your insurance. So if your mortgage your property if your taxes. principal and interest is eight hundred dollars, but your actual payment that they take out is a thousand, that means that two hundred of it is going allocated towards, towards allocated towards property taxes and insurance. Mm-hmm. So if you don't make sure to tell your 
CPA to extract those your escrow account mm -hmm. write-offs, you you would you would miss You'd those. Miss them. I was taught to do that at the end of the year. You can so do it you at the do end. like the payments go out every month, and end of the year just do one. You can do that at separate. the end. That's yeah. totally fine. Let me let me let me ask you this, yeah. and 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 because uh, I've I've brought in a lot of new people in the business okay. and explained to them and taught them and and so forth, and the first year they can't help themselves but go back to the H and R block. Yeah. Even though they started making a whole lot more money. Yeah. And then the, the other funny thing is, is when they get hit with like a real life tax bill, sure. like a thousand bucks. Yeah. And be, I mean, I think we've paid thousands of dollars to have our taxes done. Yeah. To have our taxes done, not yeah. in taxes. Yeah. And I just know that's a part of doing business. Sure. Um, but for that new guy that gets that first shocking bill for $1,500 or whatever it is, I don't know the numbers. Yeah. I don't know your numbers. I know the general industry. Yeah. Um, I'm always saying that that, trust me, just trust me, that, yeah. that guy that is charging you for that has probably saved you a lot. Do you want to touch on that? Well, I think it'd be worth it. You versus H&R Block. Yeah. Yeah, when you're self-employed especially. <laughs> well, first, the stuff that comes from H&R Block, you have to understand these people are trained for like two months sometimes, yeah. you know? Yeah. You just sit there interview style. You sit there interview style and just get your return done. I mean... They're okay, but I really, the only people I really shoot off to H&R Block are people that just have a W-2, something mm -hmm. really simple. Yeah. Anybody that has a business, though, they want, they want to work with somebody. Well, but, that but they, they know that's, that's your perspective. You're saying that they'd want to work with they somebody. They would want to okay. work with somebody. And that way, they don't miss anything. Right. And I review a lot of returns. I review returns from H&R Block all the time. And I always find stuff that's wrong with them. Sure. Mm -hmm. and, and so, or when I would, they go do TurboTax on their own. Yeah, for sure. sure. And yeah. so, what I would say to anybody that uh, is in that position, maybe you just want to ask. Maybe you want to just be like, "Hey, what you know? What kind of things are you, are you kind of doing for me that maybe I wouldn't get somewhere else? I, I wouldn't be offended if somebody asked me that question. Mm -hmm. And uh, but typically. Typically, you're going to want to work with somebody who's focused on, on reducing your tax liability. And it's pretty easy to see because once you start giving them some ideas and you say, hey, I really think we should do one, two, and three, then the bill just becomes the bill. It does. And I just I have a lot of clients who never question it because they just, they just know. Like they just trust. Us, yeah, he's yeah. giving us good ideas. And, mm -hmm. you know, we know he's focused on reducing our tax liability. So as far as my invoicing goes... In my practice, it's really not ever an issue. I mean, one, I'm fair, but two, they know that I'm bringing value. Yeah, the value they're paying for that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always my advice. If you're getting into this game, it's very tempting to want to pinch every penny because I think we're probably all pretty frugal people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But don't pinch any pennies on on this one. Yeah, because you're go doing the, yourself a disservice. Go to Ronnie and pay the full. Yeah, price. go to Ronnie. <laughs> Let's go through our list here because okay. I know I know I think I think we're all on the same page. We like to fire away candidly. Um, and we might miss a few things, but let's make sure that we didn't. Well, one one other thing that I think worth mentioning as you're looking through that, that <laughs> I kind of want to get into is with the flexibility of real estate tax, you have such a great opportunity to defer and avoid taxes. So when you have your buy and holds and you go in to sell your buy and holds that you've had for a while, there's the 1031 exchange. 
you know, that's something that's technical that a lot of people don't know, you know, the minutia on how something like that works. Mm -hmm. But if you bought properties 10 years ago and you want to sell them and, and upgrade them right now, even though you've been taking depreciation and all that sort of stuff, you can take the money that you made from selling a property, roll it into a new property and completely defer your capital gains. So that's something that's super valuable. Let yeah. me understand that too. And I've, I've asked this question, but I, I, I think I've heard answers, but I want everybody to hear it too. What's the point of the, obviously the point of the 1031 is to, because let's say you have a $100,000 gain. Let's say you would have paid 20 grand in taxes. Easy math. Yeah. Um, that's 80. Now you're only able to put back to work into the system mm -hmm. 80,000 versus 100. So yeah. the point is that you get the full ability to reinvest all of the gains Correct. And earn a return on all of the gains. Correct. So, but ultimately, you have to pay taxes on each of the 1031s whenever you do go to liquidate the asset. Is at that the, an accurate statement? At the end of the day, when you liquidate the assets, you would pay tax on the, the deferred gains. On the but deferred gains. Okay. Here's the thing that really smart people do mm -hmm. is at some point they decide that they're not going to sell them. Yeah. Okay. And what happens is when you pass it on to your children, they get a stepped-up basis of whatever that property's worth when they inherit it. So, so that wipes out the gain. That wipes out the gain. Do you understand that? Yeah. Need to clarify no, no, no. The stepped that up makes, basis. Yeah. So, no, like, in sense. your family, for example, you've got these 26 properties. You, maybe you build them up, whatever. You build them up to 50 properties. Over the next 30, 40 years, you depreciate them all out completely. And then at some point, you're able to... You pass away, you die, you pass them on to your kids. They can sell the whole portfolio and pay no tax. Because when they acquired it, that's what it was worth. So they, they didn't they technically just get, make them Their money. basis yeah. in the property is what it's worth. What them. I would tell them when you, when you guys die is go get all of them appraised right now. That's your fair market value of what you ended up receiving them at. Sell them all off. You pay no tax. See, if we could stop every oh, tidbit yeah, and sink yeah. into each one, there's so much value. That yeah. was really cool to hear. So. Um, so this is another model that I've heard that's really valuable. So if I buy a house for hundred grand, and I just want to elaborate with you on it. I don't know if there's any purpose, but okay. just a conversation worth noting. Sure. You buy it for $100, you sell it for $200. You actually, so what I say is, is you buy it for 100 in order to get the 200, you've got to spend 20 on the inside to yeah. renovate it and get top dollar. Yeah. Then when you go to sell it, you got to pay commissions, which is another 10 mm -hmm. or 15. Yeah. And then while it's vacant, being renovated and being sold, you miss out on that income, which is like another $6,000. So literally, you've taken an asset that you had a perception of 100 grand into of equity. And in order to actually liquidate and turn that into cash, you, you've really. Had to spend. You had to spend all this money. So then you only pop out 50 grand at the close of escrow. Yeah. But then you got to pay taxes on that money, ordinary income or long-term capital gains, whichever, however it qualifies. So you really, you almost, you sold this asset that you thought you had 100 in, and you're really only going to walk away with like 35, 40,000 if you're lucky. Yeah. So what I've heard that these big investment guys will do is they will let a property, um, cash flowing assets, the rents will increase, 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 increase. And then you go and borrow against the property. You pull out all of that is tax-free money. And then now the debt service has gone so high that it, excuse me, the rents have gone so high that it can service the debt mm -hmm. and still cash flow. And you let another 10 years go by where the rents go up, go up, go up, go up. 
and you can do it again. You can totally do that. Yeah. If you refinance your properties and pull strip cash out of it, that's not a taxable event. So you just but keep it's doing better it. better than selling it. Yeah. So there you go. I guess that would be the end. Yeah. So I mean, if you want to just avoid taxes. Like, I mean, yeah. that's essentially what you're doing is you're avoid, avoiding taxes because you're still into it one, you know, you'd still be into it 140, 150 yeah, yeah. under your, I guess, 140 after you f- fix it all up and stuff like that. But, yeah, you could totally do that. Fix them up, get it rent ready, refinance, pull out money, strip cash, equity from it, and just pull do the money again. out. Yeah. And do it again. And do it again. <laughs> yeah. Keep I learned it. that from a guy in a parking lot at soccer practice. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. Right. Yeah, it's a good idea. Okay, Ronnie. So I feel like I learned a whole lot, and I already want to make an appointment for tax planning. But for our listeners, if they wanted to connect with you, how would they do so? All right. So anybody who works with me, I always give them my cell number. Okay. So, uh, we can start with that. That could be a little dangerous because you guys have how many? You guys got a lot of followers right. from what I what I noticed. We'll see. But, Um, But, yeah, they could reach out to me on phone, 702-525-2509. Okay. Um, One more time, one more time. 702-525-2509. Do you have a website, too? I do have a website. And then the other way would be to go to the website. It's rnwcpas.com. The website has links all over it for people to request a two-year review and put in uh, their contact information. So okay. that would be another way that people can reach out to me. So okay. you know, I want to be you know easy to reach for your guys' group and uh, would love to talk to anybody that's listening through this. Cool. I, what I would really be excited about is let's um, get in, mm-hmm. have our appointment, yeah. make sure that we're finely tuned investors. Okay. And then uh, maybe have a recap of yeah. what we learned, yeah, what our yeah. experience has been with Ronnie. But I want to repeat the number. It's 702-525-2509. 702-525-2509. And then the website is R-N-W, his initials, C-P-A-S.com. Yeah. R-N-W-C-P-A-S.com. I want to make sure I say thank you. All yes, of the information you. that you've thank provided you. is of tremendous value. And uh, I hope that the collaboration between the two of us will improve your business and um, adds value to our listeners. And then in exchange, hopefully we can save a few bucks on yeah. our taxes. Yeah, no, this yeah. has been really good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. All right. All right. All right. Okay, I want to take a minute to recognize one of our podcast sponsors, Battleborn Injury Lawyers. I had a chance to spend some time with Matt Hoffman, and he really knows law, especially for personal injury. He's committed to helping his clients, and he's the one that's personally meeting with you to make sure you get a fair settlement. Put his number in your phone in case you ever need it. It's 702-570-9000. That's 702-570-9000. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, subscribe, and share our podcast. You can also connect with us on social media or at galindagrouprealestate.com. Until next time, thanks again for listening.